0: Good morning Highland. It's good to be here with you today and we are, Cindy and I are honored that you would uh, ask us to come and to serve here uh, in this time in the life of this church as an interim. Uh, I want to tell you that uh, I'm new as an interim pastor. I've never served as an interim pastor. I've been a pastor for uh, many years but never served as an interim pastor And. And the truth of the matter is, all pastors are interims, right? Uh, in in fact, all of us are in an interim, right? We're just in a period uh, of time between uh, now and glory. And uh, but anyway, we uh, I'm looking forward to this time that we can spend together. My purpose in being here is to simply uh, lead us to the Lord, to to go into his word. Uh, You know, I only know how to preach one thing, and that's the word of God. And that's what I'm going to do is preach the word of God, teach you that uh, during this time. But it is to get you ready for the man that God has out there for you. And he has someone out there. And uh, they, he's, ready, he's getting him ready, and uh, you want you to, to be praying for your, uh, your team, your search team, uh, as they work. Uh, that's not an easy job. In fact, that's a tough job. And uh, so you be lifting them up uh, in prayer. But in the meantime, it doesn't mean that the church just simply uh, is, is going to stop. The, the church can, uh, during this time, the church can grow. Uh, We can reach new people. We uh, We can see people come to know Jesus as their Savior. We can see people's lives being changed. And I want to invite you to do something. And that is, years ago, I used to do something in the church that we call the CCC. And that is the Constant Contact Consciousness. All right? Let me tell you what that is. Wherever you are, you need to be inviting people to church. Wherever you are. You can, I mean, it's just constant contact consciousness. Uh, And you're on the phone, you're about to get off. uh, You know, I'm not talking about badgering people, but I'm, I'm talking about inviting people. And, and invite them to come. And then uh, sometimes you need to invite them and say, look, you know, uh, let's have lunch afterwards or whatever. Let's go have coffee before or whatever you want to do. But, but invite them to come and be here when they come. It's an awful thing to invite somebody to come and then you're not here when they come. So you be here when they come. Invite them to come. And listen, we ought to be just filling this place up, right? The people are out here. They're all around here. And uh, they're all around us. And and churches have just come through a very difficult time. COVID has been an experience that none of us have ever, ever anticipated. And so many, many churches are seeing their numbers down after COVID. And, uh, so just, you know, there's some people that, you know, that maybe haven't gotten back yet, invite those people to come and be here. And, uh, I think you need to be doing that. We always need to be doing that. So being that, having that constant contact consciousness. Okay. So would you take your Bibles this morning and let's open them to Luke chapter 10, and we're going to look at verses 38 through 42 this morning. And, uh, I'm going to try to get into whatever you guys are used to as far as time is concerned. I have a clock in front of me. I'm I'm a little bit conscious of that uh, as far as time is concerned, but we, uh, I want to make sure that uh, I don't uh, preach uh, way over and those kind of things, but uh, just help me as I learn how to do that with you here uh, because I have my own little pattern that I have developed over years. Um, let's look at this passage of scripture. This is uh, Jesus going into the home of Mary and Martha in Bethany. Of course, uh, he has, uh, uh, develops this close kinship and friendship uh, with uh, Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And we know when Lazarus, uh, their brother passes away, then he, that is when he, uh, we see Jesus uh, weep. And the Bible says, beginning there in verse 38, it says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teachings. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone, left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which uh, will not be taken away from her. Now, you know, about uh, around 50 years ago, there was a plane crash in the Everglades. Some of you will remember Eastern Airlines and Eastern Airlines had a plane to crash that was going from New York to Miami. And uh, what happened in that crash, though, is the crew was making preparations for the landing, and uh, the light that would indicate that the landing gear was down was not working. And so the the captain instructed the engineer uh, to get a new bulb, and they began working, trying to get it to come on. And the co-pilot, who was the one who was supposed to be landing the plane, got preoccupied with that little light like everybody else. They were, they were looking at it. They were thumping it and kind of pounding on it. And, and uh, in the meantime, no one thought to abort the landing or to manually lower the landing gear. And while that crew focused on that faulty light bulb, that plane crashed in the Everglades, and over 100 people perished in that plane crash. That plane crashed for one reason. And the reason that it crashed is that the crew had the wrong priority. The priority should have been landing that plane, making sure the landing gear was actually down. But they got caught up looking at a bulb, trying to make a bulb work. And they were doing that at the wrong time. And so what I want to talk about this morning is setting your priorities right. And we want to talk this morning about putting first things first. And over and over again, Jesus was extremely sensitive to first things. He over and over again constantly put an emphasis on the proper priorities of our life, continuously talking about what needs to be first. He he did that in many different ways. In fact, he talked about the key to handling conflict was, was he mentioned in Matthew 5, verses 23 and 24. He says, so if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there, remember, your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother. First, be reconciled to your brother, right? And then go and offer your gift. He taught that about, you know, you know, getting what you really need in this life. He said in Matthew chapter 6, you will not recognize that verse, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, right? And all these things will be added unto you. Seek ye first. He illustrated it in, in, in how to avoid hypocrisy in our life. He said this, he said, he, he said, or, or can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in, in your own eye? What does he say? He said, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you'll be clear, you can clearly see the speck in your brother's eye. So he's telling us first things first. Even, even with the second coming, he says, and the gospel must first be proclaimed to all the nations. So Jesus was always talking about priorities, right? What needs to be first? Well, the reason I'm sharing this with you today is because we, we really need to always in our life just simply go back to what is real basic. And as you think about this during this interim period in your life or your church... You think about, what do I need to be doing? What does our church need to be doing? What are the first things that we need to be thinking about? What what should be our priority? Well, you say, well, it's getting a preacher. You know, that's the priority. No, that's really not the first thing. Now, you need to be getting that preacher, and, and and the team's working on that, and you're praying for that, and God's going to take care of that. But there are some things that we need to be doing. You see, I'm in I'm in an interim time in our, in our life. Cindy and I are just we've just entered. Well, she's she's a no pro at it. She's been retired for years, you know. I'm 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 just starting. I'm trying to learn how to do this. How you how do you do it? So, uh, w- but there's some things that I've learned during this this time uh, of retirement is that it, it is a time for me to draw closer to Jesus. It's a time for this church to draw closer to Jesus and put first things first. You know, um, an incident took place here in this story. It took place with a small family in a small town, in a small home that allowed Jesus to teach really what is one of the, the biggest lessons of his entire ministry. And, and, it, and it really only took about sixty seconds for him to do this. You know, Jesus was always teaching, wasn't he? He used every moment, and we're grateful to Luke because Luke is the one who records this for us, and we get to see it here. And, and Jesus tells us unmistakably what ought to be the priority of our lives. And so, what we have here: there are three characters. There are three. There are two sisters and one Savior. There's Mary. There's Martha and there's the master. So I want us to look at that today. Now, this is not original with me. I I don't even know really where I got this from. You know, it's one of those things you just have, I think, might have come from James Merritt. So I'll just tell him. He told me one time, I told him, I said, I love your stuff. He said, if my bullet fits your gun, you shoot it, right? Well, maybe I'm shooting his bullet. I don't even know where this comes from. But I want you to notice, first of all, there's Martha the expression of frustration. You know, somebody has kind of, you know, sort of comically named these sisters. That is Meatloaf Martha and Meditating Mary. All right, there is different as night and day. You never you see you see brothers are different, sisters who are different. Well, they're different. You see, the name Martha means mistress and that's exactly what she was she was the mistress of the house she was the one who kept the home fires burning she prepared food she was a wonderful homemaker she was a hospitable woman she was the one who welcomed Jesus into her home because she was a type of person who never turned a guest away she was hardworking. she was hard working she didn't mind rolling up her sleeves and getting things done She was a holy woman because you see, there's nothing that's outstanding here our of, 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 sin that's outstanding in her life. She's morally pure. She's clean living. Uh, she, she, she was a wholesome woman. But here I want you to understand something about Martha. Yeah, she was hospitable and she was holy, but she wasn't real happy. She wasn't real happy. Indeed, what we see here is she was really bitter. And she was resentful. And she was uh, frustrated with everybody and everything. And here we have her. She is sweating and she's serving. and, and, And there's her sister, Mary. She's just sitting there at the feet of Jesus. Soaking it in. Worshiping Jesus. She's wet with sweat. That doing the things to get prepared. And finally, she's had all she can take. And, and, you know, she burst into the room. And you can kind of see her. You know, she's got a platter in one hand and a pitcher in one hand. And she's patting her foot and she's saying, Mary, aren't you going to help me, you know? Aren't you going to help me in in, in getting all of these things together? She's probably ready to throw both of them at her. And so She's angry. She doesn't really, really even want to talk to her sister. But what she does do is she talks to Jesus. And she says in verse 40, it says, But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. What nerve. She's talking to Jesus, isn't she? She's talking to our Savior there. She's telling him, don't you even care? And so she is accusing Jesus of being indifferent and insensitive. But really and truly, Martha really wasn't upset with Jesus. She was really upset with herself. Because, you see, first of all, we see how distracted she was. It says, Mary was distracted with much serving, which literally means to be drawn away Or to be dragged about. And she was substituting busyness for blessing. Busyness for for worship. She was preoccupied with getting physical food, food ready for Jesus. And she neglected to get the spiritual food that Jesus had for her. You see, there is Jesus, the Son of God, the one who's going to die on the cross for her sin. There is Jesus in her home, and she's worried about getting the food ready instead of spending time with the one that she only has a little time to spend with and getting that nourishment that only He can give to her. She's real distressed. He said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled. You're, you're being drawn, and that literally means to be drawn in different directions. And you know what it literally means? It means you're uptight. I mean, she was uptight. She was anxious. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter uh, 6.31 that we should not worry about what we should eat or what we should drink. And that's exactly what she was doing. Right? She was consumed with, uh, right now, the temporal... And she forgot the eternal. Amen. Just like some guys on an airplane, they're consumed with a light bulb and they got a, airplane, a, a plane load of, of, of passengers and they're needing to land the plane. The scripture says she was troubled. She, to, she was, the word literally means to be thrown into an uproar. And, and, and she... she had had all she could, and and, uh, she was frustrated. She was really about to explode. Now, now I I want you to to notice carefully that Martha's problem is not with her sister. And it's really not with their Savior. Even though she is really probably kind of upset with both of them, that's really not her problem. It was with herself. Do you know what her problem was? She had allowed what was urgent to crowd out what was the most important. You know, years ago, a man by the name of Charles Hummel wrote an important article called The Tyranny of the Urgent. And he made this statement. He said, we all think we need a 30-hour day to cope with life. But would a 30-hour day really solve the problem? Wouldn't wouldn't we soon be just as frustrated as we are now with our 24-hour allotment? Our dilemma goes deeper than a shortage of time. It is is basically the problem of priorities. And so Martha was living under the tyranny of the urge, and she failed to put first things first. And listen, I want to tell you something. All work and no worship makes us a frustrated Christian. I've been in ministry a long time. I've seen some frustrated people, and I've seen it in my own life. When we get so caught up in the work, when the work, in the work, and we're not busy worshiping the Lord, we get real frustrated. My wife can tell you I've come home frustrated. I had a, I have an outreach and nobody shows up, or two or three. I'm thinking, I'm just out there doing this all the time. I'm visiting, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing. And I'm, and, but you see, if it's always work, and there's really no fellowship with the Lord, then the frustration is going to happen. If there's no fellowship in the den, there's always going to be frustration in the kitchen. The greatest barrier to blessing is the burden of busyness. In fact, this little poem says, we mutter and sputter, we fume and spurt, we mumble and grumble and our feelings get hurt, we can't understand things, our vision grows dim, when all that we need is a moment with Him. Listen, there's not a frustration in your life or my life as a Christian that we cannot some way trace it back to misplaced priorities. Failing to put first things first. So there's Martha, she's the expression of frustration. There's Mary, she is the example of fellowship. There's a big difference between these two sisters. Martha welcomed Jesus and she went off to work. Mary welcomed Jesus and she sat down at his feet. Do you know, three times Mary is mentioned in the New Testament. And every time she is mentioned, she's always at the same place, at the feet of Jesus. That's where she's always, at the feet of Jesus. But I want you to get the idea that Mary wasn't a worker because the indication of the Scripture is that that probably, you know, Mary had been working along with her, getting things ready, getting things prepared. But you see here, uh, it it is not that, that... you know, Martha was a worker, and Mary was a worshiper, and they, you know, didn't they, I, I believe Martha was a worshiper too. The, the scripture says, and, he, and, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to his teaching. You see, Mary had done her part in the kitchen probably. She was a, a worker as well as a worshiper. But Mary had learned that worship must come before work. But let me tell you something, true work comes out of worship. True work and work that magnifies the Lord and and work that's honoring to Him comes out of worship. Now, Jesus is not condoning laziness, and he's not, condem- he, he's not condemning uh, busyness. But, but, but you see, sometimes people, you know, you ever heard people who quit working in church, sometimes they quit because they want to spend more time with their family? Many, many times, that's not what it's about. Many times, it's, that's just an excuse. They're just kind of lazy. They just don't want to do it. Now Now, don't misunderstand me. I believe you ought to spend time with your family. And I believe your family ought to come before church, but your family should never come before our Lord Jesus Christ. He is to be first. It's not a question of either or. It's a a question of both and. And and that is we need to uh, worship and we need to work. We need to work and we need to worship. Charles Wesley said it perfectly in one of his hymns that he wrote. He says, faithful to my Lord's um, commands, I still would choose the better part. Serve with careful Martha's hands and loving Mary's heart. You see, the Lord wants us to, to imitate Mary in our worship and Martha in our work. You ever notice that the Bible really has, talks about balance? Blessed are the balanced, right? There needs to be work. There needs to be worship. But there's a time when we got to make sure that we put first things first. Because, you see, Jesus is more inter- interested, in, interested in our relationship with him than he is with the results in our lives. Jesus wants us to worship before he wants us to work. He wants us to spend time with him, that is, with him, rather than so much of our time for him. And we see this very clearly in this picture that we're looking at here. Because we see Martha's expression of frustration, we see Mary's example of fellowship, but then we see the master, which is the establishment of focus, the Lord makes one, th- one of the most startling and stunning and, and really strongest statements in all his ministry when he says in verses 41 and 42, he said, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now, if you were to ask Jesus what is the single most important thing that you can do on a daily basis, do you know what I believe he would tell us to do? I believe he would say, sit down. Sit down. Sit down with me. Spend time with me. The first priority of your life is to establish Cultivate, develop, and grow in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And and, and if I can give you a real humbling thought here. It's a humbling thought for all of us. Listen to me. You need Jesus. Jesus doesn't need you. Do you hear that? You need him. He doesn't need you. Jesus can do anything he wants to do without me or any of us. But you can't do anything without him. You can't do anything. You see, that's what Jesus said in John chapter 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. That Jesus doesn't need us, but he wants us, right? But he doesn't have to have us. We have to have him. You see, the key to being in a right, right relationship with God is not doing things for God. The key to a right relationship with God is being right with him. And if you're so busy doing things for him, that you're not spending time with him then you're too busy. You're too busy. Peter Marshall was a chaplain of the U.S. uh, Senate, and he once prayed this prayer. He says, Forgive us for thinking that prayer is a waste of time, and help us to see that without prayer, our work is a waste of time. Now, let me tell you something. I told somebody this this morning, just a little bit ago. When I preach, I preach to myself more than I preach to anybody else. So I'm preaching to me. Whenever I'm doing it, working on a sermon, it's preaching to me first. And if it doesn't preach to me, I'm not going to preach it to you. But you see, you see here in this, in this, uh, this time that looking at this story, we see that, that the, in my case, the devil would much rather i prepare a sermon than prepare me you know just getting a sermon ready in fact i could teach anybody in this room how to get a sermon ready but i'm talking about getting us ready getting me ready dr vance havner i love dr havner He's been with the Lord a long time now. He said, there is no work more likely to crowd, crowd out the quiet hour than the very work that draws its strength from the quiet hour. You know, there's there a couple of men, they were chopping trees one day. and I mean, one of them just steady. He was just steady, working at it, working at it. The other man, he was working at it real hard, but every once in a while he'd stop and he'd go there and rest. And um, this kind of went on for a while, and and the the guy that was so busy got to noticing this guy, and he got to see that, you know, he was getting more work done than he was. He was stopping, though. And and he said, he asked him, he said, I've noticed what you're doing. He said, I'm working hard at this all day long, but I see you over there, and you're stopping, and you're resting. He said, but yet you're cutting more than I am. And you know what he said? He said, well, what you haven't noticed, he said, I do rest, but while I'm resting, I sharpen my axe. Right? So you see, sometimes we just need to be real smart and we need to be sharpening our axe. We need to be getting ready to do what God wants us to do. The Lord Jesus gives us three statements here of priorities. He tells us that, that first of all, we, we've got a, there's a principle of decision. He he pointed it out here. He says, Mary has chosen that good part. In other words, she has chosen to put first things first. We got to make that decision to put first things first. Uh, Martha's busy doing all these other things, but she has not chosen to do the one really most important thing. You see, it's much easier for us to watch TV than it is to read the Bible. It's much easier for us to get up in the morning and get breakfast ready and do all the stuff that we're doing, and finally to say, you know, I really don't have time for my quiet time today and just kind of go on our way. But then there's also the principle of discrimination. He, he says that, that she, Mary, has chosen the good part, <clears throat> You see, folks, the enemy to the best is not the bad. The enemy to the best is the good. And I don't have to choose between good and bad. I have to choose between what's good and what's best. And so that's what Paul said to the Philippian Christians when he said to them to approve the things that are that are excellent. Do you know why Jesus told Martha that there was only one thing that's needed? Because... Jesus will survive if Martha doesn't feed him. But Martha will not survive if Jesus doesn't feed her. I've seen a lot of Christians die on the vine because they were spending all of their time doing things for God, but not doing that most important thing, spending time with God. Then there's the principle of duration. Jesus goes on to say that the the good part that she chose will not be taken from her. In other words, Jesus said, we ought to set our priorities on things that are eternal and not things that are going to pass away. You know, sometimes we are so caught up in this world and all the things in this world. And listen, I use that we. I put myself there. We get so caught up in this world and we get to thinking about this world and we're not busy thinking about what is eternal. You know, there's a, a man that made a tremendous impact on the 20th century. His name was Bill Bright. You know who I'm talking about? The campus crusade for Christ. Bill Bright. And Bill Bright once made this statement. He said, I try to prioritize everything I do in the light of the Great Commission. Do you know what that is? That's the principle of duration. What that means is, I'm going to spend my time doing things that will outlast me. Sharing the gospel will outlast you. You see, listen, if, if you're not a Christian... The first priority of your life ought to be to establish a personal relationship with God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That ought to be first. If you don't know Jesus, let me tell you, that is first, coming to know him. And you don't get to know him by joining a church. You don't get to know him by being baptized. You don't get to know him by giving money. You don't get to know him by doing deeds. You get to know him because of what he did on the cross for you. That's the grace. He's provided. Jesus died for us, rose again, and we can be saved. So the first thing you need to do, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with him, is to establish that relationship with him. You say, how do I do that? Well, you just bow before him. You just give your life to him. You admit that you got to have him in your life, that you can't live without him, that you are a sinner and you need forgiveness and you can't do anything about it. You need him and him alone. To save you. And let me tell you something. If you'll do that, I promise you, he will save you. If you mean that in your heart, he'll save you. Well, see, that's what you need to do if you're not a Christian. But if you're a Christian, your first priority in life ought to be to sit at the feet of Jesus and to hear his word and to learn more about him and to lo- learn to love him more and more each day. It's the priority of putting first things first. You say, well, Mike, why did you share this, your first sermon, as the interim pastor at Highland Baptist Church? Why did you share that first? Because that's the first thing. I can't think of anything more important for each and every one of you, and as well as myself, and and that is to do, is to spend time with Jesus. Spend time with Him. Now, does that mean you don't work? Yeah, there's places to work in this church. There are piles of places to work in this church. And you need to be busy doing those things for the glory of God, but never let that substitute for your time with the Lord. Put first things first. So the best thing that I can share with you today is to just grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Let it be the priority of your life. I want to be closer to Jesus than I've ever been. I want to be ready for that person that God's going to bring to this church, who's going to lead this church. I want to be ready. And the best way to be ready is to be serving Jesus. Because I want to tell you what, when you're walking with Jesus, everything else falls in line. I don't mean everything goes great and you got wind at your back and no problems. I'm not telling you that you're going to have plenty of problems. In fact, you serve Jesus in this world, you are, you're buying some problems. But I'll tell you this. If you put him first in your life, then all of those things, they'll never drag you down. All of those things will never pull you back. You'll just go forward. As we sung a little bit ago, to higher ground, right? Higher ground. What's God speaking to you about Today. Is it to establish a relationship with him? Is it to simply bow at this altar and say, Lord, I want you to be first in my life. I want you to be first at at Highland Baptist Church. Y'all excuse me if I say Pine Terrace every once in a while, okay? Because I've said that a few years. Highland, that you want want him to be first in this church. Because I want to tell you something. This church belongs to him. I used to, uh, you know, I had some children one time telling me that I was the owner of the church. He's the owner. He owns the church. I, I, I don't own a church. Jesus is the Lord of his church. It belongs to him. That's the reason we need to protect it. That's the reason we need to be careful what we say about it. Careful what we say about it. I used to tell people this, if you go out this week and the only thing that you can say good about Highland Baptist Church is they had pretty plants up front, then you let that be the only thing you say, right? That's all you need to say. Because if you say something about this church, you're talking about Jesus' church. You're talking about his church. So say good things. Let's stand and pray. Father, you have just heard a message from God's Word, and now it's your chance to respond. What is God calling you to do in response to today's message? Let us know by going to hbcmolino.com forward slash life. We'd love to connect with you. Thanks for joining us today on the Highland Network. Enjoy your day.